I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. Coming up, we'll hear from experts about the newly FDA-approved drug for treating Alzheimer's disease. They didn't get better. All the patients continued to get worse, but they got worse at a slower rate. Dale Bredesen says there's something even better. This 27% slowing is virtually meaningless. So let's improve that. Let's actually see people get better and stay better. Last week, the FDA approved a new drug for the most common form of dementia, which is Alzheimer's disease. The new drug is lecanemab. It clears beta amyloids from the brain. We'll share expert opinions about lecanemab in a moment. But first, what is this beta amyloid stuff that lecanemab clears away? Beta amyloid is a protein produced by our human cells. Its curly corkscrew shape makes beta amyloids readily clumped together. Some researchers believe beta amyloids are mutated proteins that always cause harm. Others consider the sticky Velcro-like beta amyloid proteins to be immune system first responders. They believe beta amyloids that clump together are creating patches. These patches protect our brains from infections, damaged nerves, and brain bleeds. As a damaged area heals, it appears that healthy brains clear out excess beta amyloids, and especially during deep sleep. But as some people age, the beta amyloids build up to high levels. Many researchers believe this speeds up cognitive decline. The new drug, lecanemab, was created to clear out excess beta amyloids. Lecanemab is a man-made monoclonal antibody with a tweezer-like shape. It's delivered into a person's blood through an IV drip. The lecanemab then finds beta amyloid proteins and pulls them out for recycling. For an overview of lecanemab, we've selected comments from experts who are recommended by the American Association for the Advancement of Sciences. Our first expert is Eric Musek, who's with Washington University School of Medicine. Musek says the drug did not cure anyone, but it did slightly slow cognitive decline in people with early Alzheimer's. Patients treated with lecanemab in the clinical trial uh, had a 27% slowing in their rate of decline. They didn't get better. All the patients continued to get worse, but they got worse at a slower rate. And so one would hope that over the course of years, this would amount to a significant uh, change for the better uh, in their quality of life. Musek says that taking this drug can trigger side effects. There are risks associated with lecanemab. It can cause swelling and bleeding in the brain, uh, particularly in patients that have blood vessel abnormalities to begin with or that are on blood thinners. And taking lecanemab requires a lot of uh, safety um, monitoring, including multiple MRIs that are done several every few months, as well as visits to your doctor. So it's a fairly involved process, potentially getting this drug. To qualify for this drug, Jason Karlowish from the University of Pennsylvania says people must have only early signs of dementia. The only candidates for the drug, you have to have mild cognitive impairment or mild stage dementia, the former describing someone who has cognitive impairment causing inefficiencies in their daily life, and you have to have evidence of elevated amyloid. Those are necessities in order to receive the drug. 
Screening tests for elevated amyloid require PET scans or spinal taps. And Carla Wish adds cautions that involve the APOE4 gene. Over half of all people with Alzheimer's carry the APOE4 gene. In this study, and as well as other studies of drugs like vicanamab, individuals who have an APOE4 gene were more likely to experience those risks of microscopic bleeds in their brain and microscopic hemorrhages. Another finding, which was an exploratory finding, was that they were less likely to have as much benefit as individuals who don't have that gene. Despite all these cautions, many scientists consider lecanemab a breakthrough. They include Sarah Kremen, director of Alzheimer's disease clinical trials at Cedars-Sinai Hospitals. It isn't until really lecanemab that we've been able to see that pulling amyloid out of the brain might actually be helpful. Alzheimer's is a very complicated disease. And while there are these proteins that we see, like amyloid and tau, we also know that there's a lot of other things going on that contribute. If someone wants to try lecanemab, the FDA indicates it might be free for people enrolled in clinical studies about the drug. For anyone else, the drug's current price tag is $26,000 per year. For How on Earth Radio, I'm Benita Lee. I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth. Today, we look at a controversy. It involves the most talked-about drug that's ever been developed for Alzheimer's disease. The drug is lecanemab. It's only for people with early signs of Alzheimer's disease. It does not improve brain function, but it does appear to modestly slow brain decline. We've just shared opinions about lecanemab from experts who gave pros and cons. A more one-sided view comes from the American Alzheimer's Association. That association is urging the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid to foot the bill for people to take lecanemab. The cost of the drug per person is over $25,000 per year. Not so championed are alternatives that give better results than the drug. Dale Bredesen offers an approach that outperforms lecanemab. Bredesen says lecanemab has possibilities, but glowing reports are overblown. Virtually every op-ed that has been written that is positive for these antibodies has been from people who are paid by the drug companies. But it's up to the rest of us to focus on outcomes, not incomes. Dale Bredesen, I would like to believe that when pharmaceutical companies work to develop a drug for something that has no cures, such as Alzheimer's, they're trying to do the right thing. Oh, my gosh. How old are you? Come on now. Companies exist. By the way, this is the legal requirement. Their fiduciary duty is but for one thing, to make money. There is no interest in anything else. Instead of pinning great hopes on this new Alzheimer's drug, Dale Bredesen recommends getting tests to find hidden infections and hormone imbalances, and getting lifestyle coaching to develop healthy habits of eating, sleep, exercise. He says those steps in his own protocols lead to documentable improvements in many areas of health and better cognition. We took people with cognitive scores, MOCA scores, very similar to the ones that were in the Lacanumab trial and did much better. You did much better, meaning that 
They improved on their test scores. So they didn't get worse more slowly, which is what happened in the Lacanamam trial. They actually got better. Right. I'm in a camp that has the best results by far. Bredesen's recent clinical trials show the protocols he's developed help people with early dementia improve their mental abilities rather than just slowing down decline like lecanemab. Bredesen believes the lecanemab trials didn't do better because they skipped a crucial step. No one overseeing the lecanemab trials helped people with early dementia heal from things like high blood sugars, hidden herpes infections, poor sleep, the only intervention in the lecanemab trials was regular infusions of lecanemab. And this is why when you look at the trial results, nobody gets better. Nobody even stays the same. All you're looking at is people getting worse a little bit slower. So as you know, it was zero point for less than half a point on an 18 point scale. So it is clinically insignificant neurologically dangerous, and financially unsustainable. Bredesen says results are better with programs like his. We actually see people improve rather than just slow their decline. And by the way, we have people who've now been on this protocol for over 10 years with sustained improvement. So that's the key for all of us. We'd like to see sustained improvement. There are critiques of your program, Dale Bredesen, which involves changes of diet, changes of lifestyle, nutritional supplements that are added to someone's life, looking for things like molds, looking for things that might be causing infection, that they don't think there's enough evidence for the cost of a program like yours. Well, the cost of a program like ours is far, far lower than the cost of the antibodies being marketed. So that's kind of a silly criticism, isn't it? And second of all, we have much better results, which is published in the Journal of Alzheimer's, a well-respected journal. We are now doing a larger randomized controlled trial. You know, you've got to start somewhere to, to, you know, to change the way that we think about this illness. Dale Bredesen says high levels of beta amyloid in the brain are not the main cause of most dementia. The argument that this disease is caused by amyloid is now about 20 years out of date. But that started this whole approach to removing amyloid which still may be an appropriate thing to do once you remove the reasons that the amyloid is there. What's causing the disease is various insults that include chronic infections, that include changes in hormonal level, toxins, and things like that. You, your brain makes this amyloid in response to those insults. Now, I actually think that Combining that approach ultimately with removing amyloid, once you have removed the reasons for the amyloid, may turn out to be the best approach. Time will tell. The makers of lecanemab describe beta amyloid largely as toxic plaques to clear away. Other researchers contend many amyloid clumps do crucial jobs, such as patching up an injured nerve. After a patch has helped something heal, a healthy body may clear out excess beta amyloid. But it could be that some patches are extra sticky. Or it could be that as some people age, their beta amyloid patches build up and clog things up. So there might be benefits to clearing out some excess amyloid with medication. But if a drug like lecanemab rips off a patch too soon, 
Bredesen warns it may disrupt the body's natural defenses. So when you're removing amyloid, you're removing your body's immune response, the innate immune response to numerous different pathogens and toxins. Imagine that your neighborhood has a high crime rate. So you call out the police. But as they're waging uh, war, gunfire with the bad guys, stray bullets are going to hurt people who are not the criminals. This is saying if we get rid of the police, we won't be hurt by those police bullets. Well, that's not the problem. The problem is the reason the police are there to begin with. Yanking out the police while a crime is underway would reduce stray police bullets. But it also would give the criminals more room to take over the neighborhood. Bredesen says that if diabetes is damaging blood vessels in the brain or an infection is destroying nerves, using a drug that rips out beta amyloid patches can leave room for more infection and more brain bleeds. Brain bleeds were fairly common in the lecanemab trials. Here's another analogy from Dale Bredesen about what may happen when an antibody drug like lecanemab rips out beta amyloid scabs too soon. One of the things that amyloid does is it is a flo so-called flocculant. It literally will patch vessels that have damage. It's a little bit like a scab. So what happens when you have a tire, for example, that's got a patch on it and you rip off the patch? Of course, it leaks. And when you do that to a blood vessel, it bleeds. And so you get micro hemorrhages in many people who take these antibodies and they, that can lead to death. Not only do you get microhemorrhages, you get brain edema. So, you know, again, this is something that has significant side effects, does not make people better, does not prevent decline, but yes, has a clinically you know, minimal, minimal effect. Most Alzheimer's researchers' dollars today go toward pulling beta amyloids out of the brain. Bredesen says that's the wrong approach. So up next, Dale Bredesen will share another analogy. This one's about misguided attempts to cure something that used to be a terrifying disease. For thousands of years, leprosy led to blindness and amputations. People trying to cure leprosy focused on an obvious symptom, which was large, pimply skin bumps called granulomas. Healers used potions or knives in efforts to make the granulomas go away. This did not cure leprosy. Sometimes it even got in the way because, Dale Bredesen says, those pimply granulomas were actually protective. If you have leprosy, then you have mycobacterium leprae, and it is surrounded by responsive tissue. You have granulomas because your body is trying to wall off and kill the mycobacterium so that you don't have leprosy. Taking a drug approach that removes amyloid is no different than taking a drug approach that removes the granulomas. It's not targeting the leprosy organism. It's targeting the body's response to the organism. During the 20th century, it finally became commonplace to cure leprosy. The cure happened because healers switched from focusing on the skin bumps, the granulomas. Bredesen says doctors now treat leprosy with antibiotics because that addresses the underlying cause. Leprosy is an organism that likes to stay at relatively low temperature, and therefore it infects nerves that run close to the skin, and you lose the, the feeling, the sensation, unfortunately. Um, and then you can get you know infections and all sorts of things like that. You know, that's what zombie movies are about, somebody losing their ability to use their hand, and eventually their hand kind of just drops off. 
as they say, there goes my eyeball right into my highball. That's the old song. A long course of antibiotics has made leprosy so curable, worldwide rates have plummeted. Leprosy's still a little scary, but not super scary. So we have zombie movies, and there are spoof songs about leprosy with lyrics Dale Bredesen mentioned, such as leprosy. My gosh, I have leprosy. There goes my eyeball. Right into my highball. Leprosy has a cure because health experts finally went after the right target. And maybe that's why we also have some silly songs about it. Dementia is an increasing epidemic. Mainstream medicine focuses on finding drugs to clear out all the beta amyloid plaques. And in the meantime, the main thing experts tell people with cognitive decline is that there's still no cure. Songs about dementia don't tend to be silly. They're more often like this one, from Thomas Mack. I lost my best friend to Alzheimer's. I'm typically not a very emotional guy, but I broke down when I was writing this song, so forgive me if I get a little emotional. It sure was hard to watch when the memories began to leave. Sometimes I'd still pretend she remembered me. She forgot the good times, but I'm holding on to them all. I'll always remember me and Mom. I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Here's Dale Bredesen, Chief Science Officer at Apollo Health, with more to say about the new Alzheimer's drug, lecanemab. It doesn't make people better. It doesn't keep you the same. And here's how little it does for your actual cognition. There was another study published just giving extra virgin olive oil, nothing else. And the people did better in that study than they did in the lecanemab study. If you, you know, if you're talking about a clinically meaningful result, lecanemab is not it. It's getting the press and the olive oil did not. Yes, because it's paid for the press. It doesn't make you better and it doesn't make you stop declining. It makes you decline slightly slower. If I'm somebody with Alzheimer's and I'm looking at how if I'm in early stages and I'm told this might slow the progression of your disease. It's a tiny difference. And you're buying that difference with, number one, expenses that will make Medicare costs soar. There's been a letter written to Medicare asking that it open the purse and pay as much as is asked for as many people as want it uh, without restrictions. So just anyone who wants to get this drug, pay for it. This is basically like saying, here's a blank check for something that doesn't work very well, uh, if at all, um, but go ahead and, and write a blank check. That doesn't include the injections. That doesn't include the scans. So you've got to go in to get these. So yeah, you're you're talking about closer to $40,000, per year. Now, let's say that Medicare decides they'll open the purses and just go ahead and pay uh, out of taxpayer dollars uh, for everybody. And let's say that you know half a million people go on this. You're going to end up with more than a $10 billion bill for something that really doesn't work. 
Dale Bredesen, one critique of your program has been that it's too expensive. <laughs> well, there's far, far less than what we just talked about. Far less. It's far less, but it's also for things that people could do for themselves. You don't have magic bullets in your program to speak of. That's not true. Instead of ripping off the Band-Aid and watching the blood vessel leak, what we're asking for each person is, what is causing the decline? So yes, you do have to get some testing up front because you need to ask appropriately what is causing this. For some people, the predominant problem is insulin resistance. For other people, the predominant problem is pathogens like herpes simplex or HHV6A or P. gingivalis. You therefore need to get rid of those. So the magic bullet that you're talking about, in our case, we call it silver buckshot because you're targeting the multiple things. It's typically multiple. Now, it will end up costing about one-fifth of what it costs to get these antibodies. And it has much better results in that we actually see people improve rather than just slow their decline. And by the way, we have people who've now been on this protocol for over 10 years with sustained improvements. Dale Bredesen, if what you say is true, then why is it if I go with a friend to a neurologist, which I have done, and the person who has some signs of cognitive impairment says with that voice of fear, they say, doctor, what can I do? And the doctor says, there's really not a lot we can do. We just need to watch and see what happens so that we can be there ready to tell you what the next step is that you'll need to have for your care. Yes, you went to the wrong doctor because we've trained now over 2,000 physicians in 10 different countries and all over the US. And those doctors do know the right thing to do and are getting good results. And then by the way, another one of them, uh, Dr. Heather Sanderson from San Diego is just publishing her own trial, again, showing not slowing of decline, showing actual improvement in patients. Better test scores. Dale Bredesen, you say improvements, but you are not talking about people who were double-blind, placebo-controlled. You have a self-selected group who come to you and they do very intentional things to be part of your program. It's not the same as an FDA-approved double-blind, placebo-controlled test. We, as I said earlier, we're doing a randomized controlled trial now. But how do you do it? You're right. It's tough to do a double-blind when you're asking people to change the very things that have led to their decline. But, it's, you know, again, if I had cognitive decline... Um, I would want something that makes my cognition better. That's the goal here, and that's what we're seeing. So it, none of these trials with placebo controls, do the placebos get better? That, that This is one of the few diseases where you, you know what's going to happen to people when they are on control. They get worse. Does this make a difference for everybody who does your protocol? Well, in our clinical trial, it improved cognition in 84% of people. So no, not everybody, but the majority of people. Since we started by talking about lecanemab, you mentioned that if some of the underlying causes of dementia and brain fog were addressed so that the area of the brain that had these beta amyloids, these tarry, sticky things, walling off an area, had a better chance to repair, you could see the potential of then having somebody take a course of something like lecanemab someday to help pull out the scabs, basically, the beta amyloids, right. 
at a time where maybe there's too many of them and maybe it would be good to pull some of them out and get them out of the way. So I do think that there's a good chance, and of course we'll have to do trials to see, but I do think that in the future, the way to go will be to remove the insults first. Then you can now more safely remove the response to the insults. You still have to going to have to deal with the possibility that if you're if you're patching some blood vessels, you still may rip those. Um, so you got to be really careful. And I again, I think the dosages may have to be different. You're going to have to very slowly, slowly remove this. But I do think you know that is the future. I think we will look back on this period where we tried to rip out the amyloid as being kind of a joke. Um, a bit, uh, you know, as being kind of the dark ages. Has anybody with the lincanumab trials approached people like you to say, how about if we partner with you on the next trials? No, no one has approached me. Have you approached them? I'm actually, I'm trying that very thing. I would love to do this. I would love to get better outcomes. You know, this 27% slowing is virtually meaningless. So let's improve that. Let's actually see people get better and stay better. That's the goal. It sure was hard to watch when the memories began to leave. Our guest Sometimes has been Dale Bredesen. We'll share hot links to these topics on our website. She forgot the good times, but I'm holding on to them all. I'll always remember me and Mom. I like to think the day she finally found peace. She got to heaven and smiled And she remembered me And if I know her well She's probably talking God's ear off Telling him about the good times Of me and Mom That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Beth Bennett. This week's show was produced by yours truly, Shelley Schlender. Additional contributions by Stacy Johnson and Benita Lee. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from the Jealousy Tango and Thomas Mack. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, ways to subscribe, and hot links to the topics we talked about today. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth at the KGNU Science Show, I'm Shelley Schlender.